Ron and Don from radio to real estate. I don't think we could have gotten this house without Ron and Don. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. To the Ron and Don Show. And yes, my dad's pretty annoying. All right. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 136 of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. We are live from the shores of South Lake Union. Of course, we're social distancing uh, today. And coming up on the show, uh, a lot of people reached out to us and they said, hey, we are the vice president where you guys used to work got fired. What is your reaction to this? And I think my reaction, and maybe Ron's reaction, I think it might surprise you. So we'll share our reactions. And also, uh, we're going to take some time to tell you right now about something called Ron and Don Sit Down. It's a brand new website, right? It is. We just launched it. Believe it or not, it's about Ron and Don. And it's about our, our real estate business. Here's the thing that we're finding is that we built a genuine relationship with you over the years uh, to where you kind of know where we stand, how we operate, what kind of human beings we are. We have a track record with people that have listened for years and years. And so we've taken that skill set, went out and got licensed with the state of Washington to practice real estate, passed all the exams, joined the number one office in all of Seattle for real estate, Windermere Midtown. And so now we'd like to help people transition from here to there to like, Maybe you're retiring. Maybe you're upsizing. Maybe you're downsizing. Maybe you're having a child. Uh, maybe you're bringing your mom back to your house and you need a bigger house, a smaller house. Maybe you have designs on moving to Arizona or you want to get an investment property or you want to do whatever it is. Uh, and so we have set this website up to the, the easiest thing is for us to just sit down with each other. And so it's called ronandonsitdown.com. You can hear about what this thing is. What is a sit down? You can hear other people that have gone on this journey with us already and what kind of results they got in their own voice. You get to hear their stories and we would appreciate it if you go check it out. Even if you're not in the real estate game right now, go check it out. See if you spot any problems, any issues. If it looks weird on your iPad or tablet, let us know so we can talk with the web developer. Yeah. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don show, evidently uh, our old boss was handed a box too. Because uh, there's a notice that went out, and some of our friends from uh, our terrestrial radio company where we used to work, they called us, and they said, hey, what do you feel about the vice president, uh, the guy that fired you? He just got fired. And so now the show that replaces got fired, the program director has been fired, and now the vice president has been fired. Uh, the ratings are in a free fall, and that cluster is not doing well. And from my understanding, uh, somebody's looking to sell that, so... It's kind of interesting because we're this gentleman, his name is Dave, who fired us. He's probably in a similar situation that we were about a year and a half ago. And so I have some words that I just want to share with him. And I know that Ron has some words. Uh, and he was let go at Cairo after 34 years. Uh, they didn't have a big, and this is what gets me. Why didn't they have a celebration of his 34 years? You're just, you're handed your box, you're told to go. Uh, there's not a cake. There's not a celebration. It's just it ends and it's over. And it's rough when it ends that way. So let's come back, address it. We'll talk about it. And uh, Ron will give you his reaction. I'll give you mine. It's the Ron and Don Show. Episode 136. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios today only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. 
We lived in Redmond, and the kids went to school there. We loved it. We loved it. So we were super worried about leaving, but I, it just had to happen. Ron and Don proposed a sit-down, so they came over to our house, and they could tell that I was like super excited and ready to go and frenzied and breathless, and they could tell right away that Juan Carlos was like measured and careful. They came super prepared, and they came more in learning mode right and what was important to each of us i want to look at the data and the details i don't uh, for me it's a big investment and i don't want to rush into things and they were quick to see that even though i never told them uh, and i really appreciated that this house popped up as soon as we saw it ron and don were here <laughs> the market was super hot right then and so there were a lot of people clamoring for it we were just such beginners that we didn't know that we would be able to compete in that kind of a field we got so lucky i don't think we could have gotten this house without ron and don you're listening to your old friends ron and don on the ron and and ra- on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. <laughs> All right, you guys, welcome back. It's episode 136 of the Ron and Don Show. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios. Of course, uh, he's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill, and uh, we appreciate you guys so darn much. Over half a million spins now of the Ron and Don Show, and we've been doing this now for just over a year. So our thanks to Les Schwab, and really our thanks to you, because there's a lot of people out there through Glow FM, Ron, that are actually sponsoring the show. Yeah, you can do that on uh, glow.fm. Those links are in the show notes, if you ever wondered. You can also do it through anchor.fm, and we really appreciate people that just say, hey, you give us value in our life. I got a a message today on Facebook from a woman that's like, I I cried when you guys left the radio, Mm -hmm. and I was so happy to find you again in the podcast, and just wanted to let us know that we, awesome. she felt like uh, we're friends yeah. and I, I always like that when someone feels like we're friends it's actually Ron's mom Alice. yeah exactly and uh, uh, <laughs> she's, she's an easy crier yeah she is and of course you guys have always been friends so thanks for that Alice we appreciate you uh, supporting the Ron and Don show as always hey uh, let's let's talk about this um, and we talked a lot about this in episode number one if you want to go back to episode number one I'd say number the one of the number one questions people ask us when they still see us is hey uh, what happened at Cairo? And I'm able to say, just go listen to episode one of the podcast. And then if you have any questions afterwards, just shoot me an email and I'll try to answer your questions. And so people will go, they'll listen. It's our most listened to podcast. And sometimes they do have questions. Uh, so they'll reach out and they'll ask those. Got a phone call a couple nights ago uh, from somebody that used to work at Cairo, that I worked at Cairo with, uh, Interestor Radio. And they said, hey, did you hear... And I said, no, I don't think so. Uh, What was I supposed to hear? And they said, well, uh, the gentleman who fired you, who was actually the vice president of Bonneville in Cairo, uh, was just fired himself. And so this person wanted to know, they said, this must be a great day for you, or you must feel pretty elated about this. And I said, you know, I'm not. Uh, and this isn't a great day for me. So I asked some more questions. Uh, I've really thought about this and I have some more feelings, but usually we talk about my feelings first. So I just want to talk, uh, Ron, I'm going to open the floor to you because this is a t- something we typically like to talk about when we're looking in the rearview mirror. Uh, but again, I, I think this is an important question because I think maybe there's a lot to learn here. Well, I think that people... Everybody goes through this. And the philosophical question, I think, for me is, do you celebrate 
when something bad happens to another person? Or do you feel good when some, when, when that person, uh, you feel like has done you wrong in some way. So it could be like, Oh, my ex, uh, something bad happened to my ex. And so therefore I'm going to high five over that. Or in this case, the person that fired me just lost their job. And so, uh, should I high five over that? And I, I thought about this a lot as well. And so my, my initial reaction is I don't want to be the guy that dances on someone else's misfortune. I've, I always find that distasteful when someone else does that. So if I'm around someone and they fist pump when something bad happens for someone else, um, I'm always like, really? Like, what does that say about you? That you're taking pleasure in someone else's pain. Uh, and so I don't want to be that guy. At the same time, I'd be lying if I didn't feel a little sense of vindication in this regard. So the way that we were let go from Cairo, I found to be very distasteful, very... Um, it was brutal the, the way that it happened and with people that we'd known for, for almost 20 years. And so I just, I, I, there was part of that was like, really, this is how, this is how it's going to go down in this way. And so there's part of me, it's like, okay, the, the, the program director that was in that room was fired. The show that replaced us was fired. And now the general manager that uh, made the actual decision was fired or resigned. However, it's, you know, framed up and, Obviously, that's not entirely because of us. Like, that would be super egotistical and narcissistic to think that it's just Ron and Don. But I'm sure it, it factored in because ramifications happened and repercussions happened after our show left that station. And we were an anchor for that station for 13 years and made a lot of money for that station and got a lot of, of ratings for that station. So it had to impact it. I didn't follow it under a microscope. So I'm trying to balance that out. It's like, I'm not happy that any of those people had that fate. Like, it doesn't bring me joy. But it does provide me with a little vindication. And the same thing with, like, if you think in terms of, like, exes or ex-business partners or a relationship that failed. If you got out of it and learned a lesson and then the other party didn't learn a lesson and you see them repeating the same thing and, and uh, the, the fruit of that tree mm. turns out to be bad, there is part of me that looks back and goes, maybe I was right. Maybe I diagnosed this okay, or maybe I put in the hard work uh, to, to get the object lesson and to see my blind spot, and they clearly didn't because the same thing is happening to them again. Um, it, this one's difficult for me. Because so so let, me, let me ask you this. If we there, there's something that Ron does that's really cool, you guys. When we sit down, we do something called a Ron and Don sit down. He has a magic wand that he actually pulls out that he bought online. And it's a Harry Potter magic wand. Is it here? Is it here somewhere? Uh, yeah, I think I have it somewhere. He, he tell people what you do. You wave the, you and you're serious about this. You wave the magic wand and then you ask a question. And there's there's always there's really fun answers usually on on the other side and important answers on the other side of waging, uh, waving the magic wand. Well, the hardest thing uh, for most adults to get around in something as complicated as selling a house or buying a house is they can't get out of their own way. 
And so when you wave, meaning that they, there's too much data, there's too many decision points, it feels too big. So when you take out the magic wand, A, it's kind of, it's an icebreaker, it like relaxes the mood. And then it also gives someone permission to just say what they want. Yeah. And so when I said, if I could wave this magic wand, and you got exactly what you want, when you wanted it, what would that be? Yeah. And so usually people chuckle, and then they tell you what they really want. Yeah. So what I want you to do is I want you to end our time at Cairo differently. And what I'll do is I'll just explain to people and if this story is not correct, because it's been over a year and a half now. It was a Thursday night. Uh, we were on three to seven. It was six o'clock. Uh, we were called into another room. Our show producer knew that we were being fired. In fact, she'd been practicing with the other show for months. And a lot of times I wonder why she didn't get her work done. The reason she didn't get her work done is because she was practicing with this, with this other show. For me, I'm the one that gave her the job in our show. So I beat myself up for that, right? Uh, so I've had to kind of deal with that. And the other thing that she did is she took the passwords of our social media accounts and at 6 o'clock, when we were called into Dave Pridemore's office, which is actually uh, the program director's office, Dave was sitting in there. In that moment, they took our social media, uh, our big one specifically, the Ron and Don one, they took that away from us. And it was gone. And it was something that we had started to build even before we got to Cairo. So, so that was gone. The gentleman that fired us, Dave, uh, was sitting in the office, and it literally took about five minutes. Uh, he seemed to be uncomfortable. He didn't look at us. Uh, he basically told us that we were done. Uh, they no longer needed our services. He handed us an envelope. In the envelope, was, was, it was 90 days. We got a severance package of 90 days. And then that was it. Uh, and then we could extend our health care if we wanted to. He said, if you want to call me and talk about it, uh, he said, I just don't really want to talk about this right now. And then I had contacted him months later uh, to go have a coffee, and he said he would be open to having a coffee sometime. And then I reached out to him again a couple of days ago, and he got fired. And we can talk about that in a moment. Being fired in that way, if we were new to radio, because we've been fired in that way before, and you're called, and you know you're in trouble because you don't have the ratings. You haven't brought the revenue. You know it's called go get your box. And they ask you to turn in all your stuff and to leave that night. What's really heartbreaking is a lot of people that leave on good terms, usually there's a party and a cake, and people are honored. And when you're fired like this in the middle of the night, and here's the other thing, it was happening during the Me Too movement. And so instantly, instantly, that's what people began to think. And I thought, you know what, at least what Dave will do is he'll come out when people ask him and say the Me Too, the hashtag Me Too, was that the reason for you guys being gone? And... And Kyra's response to everything was no comment. We have no comment about that. And I'm like, please comment. If you have a comment to make, please make that comment. And what didn't make sense to us is that we were in the top five in all our demos. Uh, we were the number one biller on the station. And we were, at the time, the most successful afternoon drive team in news talk anywhere in the country. There wasn't a team that was hotter or better than us. And it just, it came from out of nowhere. Uh, there was no explanation to us. And then when people would see us, the hard thing was when, when teachers and principals and people at the store, they mean well, but when they see you, they want to know what happened. And when they do that in front of, at the time, my nine-year-old, 
uh, that was very heartbreaking because I didn't know what happened. And because people listen to you for years, they feel like they have a right to know. And you just, here you are, you just disappeared. And then they say things like, I can't wait uh, to see where you guys pop up. You must have something cooking that's really big. We didn't have anything that was cooking. We were at the end of our contract. We thought our contract would be renewed. So this was certainly a surprise to us. And I had also shared before in episode one that my mom's husband was dying. Cairo asked me to come back. I came back. They they asked me to come back just to fire me. So they fired me while I was on air. uh, And I could have stayed in New Mexico when Stanley was passing with my mother. That's a little heartbreaking to me uh, uh, still. But... Is there anything in that story uh, that is not correct? I almost had, I think I had close to a year or two in sick leave. So I never called in sick. I had piles upon piles upon piles. Same with vacation time. And for, for guys that weren't new in the business, for guys who invested a lot of time, energy, and cause radio, for guys that raised over $12 million for things that we loved and cared about, to be dismissed like that uh, was very, very painful. It was very painful. Um, so, did I frame that correctly? Yeah, I think. I mean, I, I do want to leave space as part of my journey to say, I, I'm positive that I, I can't speak for you, but I'm positive that I was not always the easiest person to work with. Like, I can be a smart ass. I can be headstrong. I can be a know-it-all. Uh, I know all of those things about myself, and I'm sure that I did that over the years. I'm sure that I was opinionated and petty at times. and But... When the red light came on, I always brought it. Always. You did? Like, there, there was not a day that I took off. Even when I was going through a divorce and I could barely function, I still came in. And when that mic came on every day, I brought it. And so mm-hmm. uh, the things that I was told mattered, we crushed in those areas. You know, we were always told, these are the two things that matter. Ratings, revenue, and giving back. Those right, three, those, three things. those three things. And so, right. And we did that. All three things. Three for uh, three. So, um, I mean, back to your magic wand question. I, I think to me... And yeah, I'm, if you're going to end it and you're called into that room, magic wand, how, how, could, have, how could Dave have done well, that Well, if, if it was a magic wand thing, it would have been way before that magic, the, the room. I would have been respected as a peer and said, hey, guys, this is what we're like the months before when they were starting to put together that other show and have them practice. When they were secretly practicing. Come in and be a man, sit us down. Or a woman, be a grown-up. Be a human. Say, hey guys, you've been here for 13 years in this particular time slot. Um, We're thinking about going in a different direction, and here's why. Uh, We think you've lost a step. We think you're difficult to deal with. There's been... Uh, you know, coworkers that said that whatever, I mean, whatever the excuse was, you're too expensive. Were our profit margins not big enough? Whatever, I'm getting pressure from my boss to cut the budget, whatever the thing was. And then say, and if there's no debate, say we've made up our mind, uh, this is not a debate. I'm letting you know, I want to give you a long enough runway uh, to deal with this. And we want to give you a proper send off because you have been meaningful to the community. Uh, you have connected with the community. Um, or can uh, sub point of that is like, Hey, um, we would love to have you back. Here's the constraints I'm under. We might have to pay you less. And then at least you have the choice of saying, Okay, well, let me see if I can address your concerns. Um, Or at least you tell somebody. You don't just do this generic pablum, 
make sure we don't say anything, divulge anything, open ourselves up to any liability, like lawyerly. It's it's cowardice. Uh, so that's if I could wave a magic wand, I, I get business. Business is business. Um, the fact that you have all these, the, the fact that we weren't trusted to be partners to say, to understand the business that we were in and the hard choices that come with being in that business, we get it. Like we've been through enough mergers and acquisitions and public IPOs and, you know, uh, station swaps and all, we've been through all that stuff. So we get the, the business of business and, but to not give you any sort of um, situation there. When I know that when it's another executive, if it's another, if it's a radio executive, they're given like a year runway oh, more where they're that. told, certainly more than that. Hey, so and so, we're going to make a move. Here's your golden parachute. You got nine to 12 months to figure out your next move. And so, FYI, like if you're sitting in a corner office, you get that kind of runway. You don't get uh, called into a meeting at six. Uh, and then fired at 6.15. So that, I think, is um, if I had to do a magic wand, it would be to treat people like a human being. There's there's a reason why it happened, and the fact that you never told me means that that that's that says the whole story. It's like if you got a divorce after 13 years, and we're like, I'm not citing any reasons. I just don't want to be married anymore. Well, that's BS. Like at least have the wherewithal to state your reasons and to say, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, and so that, that's the part that if I had to wave a magic wand and see, that's where I'm, I find myself getting fired up. I still don't want to be the guy that's like, ha ha, you got fired too. Like that doesn't give me anything. Like, like there's part of my brain that wants to jump into that pool. And it's like, no, because there's no there there. Like there's no benefit that I can find in doing that. I think it's petty. I think it's small. And I want to have rise to my better nature of going, no, I don't, I don't wish what we went through on anyone. Like it was really very difficult. Yeah. What about the, the fact that after we left, the station crashed and it still crashed. I mean, that's why, in my opinion, he got fired. That's why the program director got fired. And that's why the new show got fired. Uh, and they're still all struggling, all of them. Uh, none of those shows are in the, the top five, six, or seven. They're not. I think for me, I've, I've thought about this a lot. It's interesting that you say that. Anybody, and this is going to sound egotistical, and so I apologize for that in advance. Anyone that does something at a high level, it looks really easy. Go out and watch. Go do a Google search for the man who ran a sub-two-hour marathon. Like, Go watch the video of him looks easy when you watch the video you're like that guy's not even running like yeah okay and then you go holy crap he's running a 430 mile for 26 miles in a row like until you actually know what he if you just watch the video it's like oh it's a it's a guy running okay but if you don't understand what it means watch stevie ray vaughn play a guitar solo looks easy it's like ah he's just playing man he's like got the he's just grooving it's like <laughs> you have no idea what it took to get to that point. Yeah. And so I think many times, and this wasn't the first time in our radio career this happened, people looked at us, because we'll come in and in you know a t-shirt and a ball cap, uh, casual Thursday, kind of we're kind of bros in a way, quote unquote. You know, we're not walking around in a three-piece suit. So we sort of look blue collar. 
and you know we have a kind of a common vernacular like we're sort of sit around the bar stools talking sort of ethos that we've cultivated over the years and they look at that and they go "Ah, i can just get two people to do that like i could get that guy and that guy and throw them together and do that because they don't know yeah it's like saying i could pick up a guitar and play like stevie ray I could throw on some running shoes and run a two-hour marathon. You, you, you think that it's easy because it looks easy, and you don't realize how hard it is. Yeah. Let me do this. I'm going to share with you, and, and I have shared my messy road of recovery uh, with a lot of you. And let me share with you, in, in this instance, for someone that's in recovery, this right here could be a big trigger, a huge trigger. And I knew that when, the, when this was happening. Uh, I knew that this could be a big trigger. I knew I could go into isolation. I knew I could turn in on myself. I knew that I could disappear. Um, I knew I could go back to an old life and old habits that don't serve me. Um, so it was time to take all these tools that I've learned and these things that I've journaled about and the books I've read and, and the podcasts and the mantras and everything else and, and to put them to the test and see if they really work. So what I did is, this is episode 136, right? Yeah, I think so. I went back to episode one and listened to it. And this is what I said in episode one. And I didn't know this to be true at the time. I was just hoping. I was just throwing a ball up and just hoping. I had sat down with uh, BJ Shea from KSW, one of of my dear friends, and he is a fellow traveler. We are on the journey together. All of us are. And and BJ helped introduce me to a journey and taught me that it's just not some rock and roll band from the 80s, right? So he had told me, he goes, Don, he goes, you have two ways to look at what just happened. He said, you can look at this and frame this as this happened to me or you can look at it as this happened for me. Did this happen to me or did this happen for me? That's what I said on episode one, that I believe that this happened for me and that this happened for us and not to us. Because I knew the mindset when something happens to you and if your mindset is just anger, If your mindset is just rage, if your mindset is just hurt, if your mindset is just pain, there's no effing way that you're going to be able to move forward. You're just not. So I would write that down in my journal every day for almost a year. Did this happen to me or happen for me? The other thing I've learned is to lean into it when something hurts and let it hurt. And it hurt. And I have a mirror upstairs in my... Uh, closet and I would sit in front of this mirror on a stool and I sat on this stool uh, for almost two months and I would sit there and I would watch me cry (laughs) Hmm. I would watch myself cry in this mirror and instead of reaching for a bottle of whiskey or a bottle of vodka or Chardonnay to just totally numb what I was feeling, I would sit in front of that mirror and I would watch myself. And I'd wrestle with it. 
And I'd say, all this stoicism, all this stuff you read, things about the universe, your belief system, your philosophy, what is that going to be? Are you going to turn and be bitter at people like Dave? If you go back to listen to episode one, I was very kind to him. If you go back and you look at what we said in the Seattle Times about him, very kind. He'd always been kind to me. I still have a picture in my house of Dave. And I'll tell you why that picture's up before we get out of here today. But when something hurts, I grew up in the church where things don't hurt in Jesus' name. And if they do hurt, it means you have sin in your life. So I've had to learn as a grown man that things hurt. And it's okay that they hurt. And it's okay to find comfort. But it's not okay to go hide. It's not okay to isolate. It's not okay to be triggered to go back to a life of drinking that I don't want. It's not okay. Second thing I learned to ask myself is, what's, what is my part in this? Because I surely have a part. Why didn't I go up and talk to Dave earlier when I knew our contract uh, was up? Why didn't I go up there and begin to have conversations uh, with him? Why didn't I take steps? And why did I assume that something was going to happen that wasn't going to happen? They weren't going to renew our contract. Was I doing my best job every day? Was I showing up every day? And for the most part, I was. But there's surely things that are baked into that that I look at. When something goes sideways with my son, I ask myself, okay, what was my part in that? When Ron and I have a disagreement, what's my part in that? When my mom and I get after each other a little bit, what's my part in that? That's new for me to ask myself, what's my part? That's new. And sometimes I will take the whole, I'll martyr and I'll take the whole part and then I'll dress myself in it. No. What's my part? And understanding that everybody else has a part. And whatever Dave's part is in this, that's Dave's responsibility, not mine. What's my part? And then you have to ask yourself this question. Number three, how do I move forward now? And that's what began to happen on that mirror. I began to tape things, people, places, certain 10-year-olds that mean a lot to me, and I would just tape them to this mirror. And then when I decided to go on the real estate journey, I started taping stuff on my mirror of this real estate journey. And I would go in there with less tears now and more excitement. I remember passing the real estate test, which is probably no big deal to a lot of people, but I hadn't taken a test in years, in decades. And I was super pumped that I passed the real estate test, super pumped that we were going to Windermere. And even though we're in this position where we're restarting our lives, I was super pumped to be a part of that and to be a part of my story uh, the rest of the way. Finally, I love, I love something that Robin Roberts said on Good Morning America. And I think she does a really good job uh, like George Stephanopoulos, I know nothing about him. He never reveals anything about himself. 
we can think of other TV personalities like Kathy Lee Gifford, and maybe we know too much. <laughs> right. Right? Maybe we don't maybe we don't want to know that much. Maybe she's revealed too much. Something that Robin Roberts said about her cancer, because she didn't know if she was gonna go public with it or not. She had had a conversation with her mom and said, Mom, how do I share this? And her mother told her this. She said, let your mess be your message. Be a voice for other people out there that don't have a voice, that are going through something similar. Let your mess in real time be your message. And if you go back and you look at the way that she tackled cancer... And the way she did that on TV, it's pretty extraordinary. Because the whole time you felt like she's being pretty damn authentic with you. you, Letting your mess be your message. Anyway, we come back. I got a message for Dave. I'll share that next. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. yourself dreaming about a new home go from just a dream to the dream team schedule your time at ronanddonsitdown.com all right you guys the final segment of the ron and don show episode 136 and don't forget we are licensed brokers at windermere aren't we yeah absolutely we have a brand new website we'd love for you to check it out uh, even if you're not in the market for real estate just tell us what you think of the new website ronanddonsitdown.com that's ronanddonsitdown.com uh we just launched it i got the google analytics set up and right now it shows one click because i clicked on it after i got it set up so go out there click on it let us know what you think uh, Ron and Don, sitdown.com. Cool. All right. Hey, before we get out of here, uh, lessons learned over the last year. We shared with you that one of our, uh, the boss really in Seattle, the vice president here, was let go after 34 years at our old stomping grounds, uh, Cairo. He's the one that called us into the program to manage, uh, manager's office and let us go on a Thursday night. Now he, the program manager, uh, the show that replaced us, and a lot of people in that building uh, are now gone and the station at this hour is struggling in fact a lot of radio is struggling like a lot of people are struggling because of COVID-19 I mean I the the lessons I've learned over the last year are too many to to enumerate in in one radio segment but I think in in terms of this uh is that I'm glad you and I chose a path where we weren't going to be dependent on anybody else again like we spent our entire career uh, dependent on the whims of people that we didn't really weren't that close to, maybe didn't understand what we did. Maybe we're in another city uh, with a big corporation or a publicly traded company, and that the flick of a pen could alter our lives in in irrevocable ways. And so, this last time, after giving it our best shot, and and I think establishing a pretty good legacy in Seattle, um, that we just said, yeah, I don't want to be beholden to anyone else anymore. And so saying we both love real estate, we both have bought and sold a lot of real estate in our lives. We think we'd be good at this. Not only that, we think we could help people that navigate these decisions with the skill set that we have. Um, And let's bet on ourselves. So that's the lesson for me is bet on yourself and (laughs) then get out of the way because it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah. You know what I've learned from this is that one moment doesn't define you. A lot of times uh, you have this question asked when you're filling out, uh, maybe you're trying to get a license, maybe you're enrolling your child in school, 
maybe you're trying to meet someone on a dating app, and then it asks you if you're divorced or not. And if you've been single for too long, there's usually something matter with you. And then if you've been divorced five times, there's usually something matter with you too. There's, there's, I, I think people accept maybe one divorce, maybe heading towards two. If there's three, there's probably an issue or a problem. But when you look at the relationship that you were with with someone, and let's say that you were married for 20 years, uh, like my mom was married to my father, it didn't end well. It did not end well. It ended like the Hindenburg. It did not end well. But when you go back and you look at those 20 years, there's a lot of good stuff that happened with my father, with my mom and us four kids uh, kind of in those 20 years and, and for the short amount of time that I was actually around with my dad. So I think it's really important uh, when something like this happens in your life that you're not defined by it. And for me, I know growing up, especially with young men, it's hard because you're always asked, what are you going to be when you grow up? What are you going to be? What are you going to be? What are you going to be? Not who you're going to be. What are you going to be? That's different. What are you going to be is different than who you're going to be. And as I've gone through this road of recovery, recovery really talks about who are you going to be? Who do you want to be? Not what do you do and what happened to you? It's a different mindset. So if Dave's listening to this, I would just encourage him. The way that I look at Dave is 11 years ago, this month, he and I got on a glacier together and we climbed for our friend Brad Perkins. Captain Keith from the Deadliest Catch was with us. Dave was ahead of me, our old vice president on Mount Rainier, we should say. You climbed Mount Rainier. What did I say? You, didn't, you left out the Mount Rainier part. Yeah, we were on Rainier, and he was on a snow bridge. Do you know what a snow bridge is? I think so. Snow bridge is where a lot of times snow and ice uh, will melt, and it melts over a place in the ice where like you fall Like a crevasse. Through. What's that? Like a crevasse. It's like a bridge between two yeah. cracks. So up on Rainier, there's over 35 different uh, uh, places of ice that shifts up there, these shifting fields. And they've been separated uh, by great big pieces of rock. And so sometimes when you walk up there, the reason they want you to summit in the middle of the night is because the ice is still nice and hard. As the day progresses, though, it melts, and that's what happened to us. The day progressed, it melts. And boom, I look over, and Dave has fallen through. He has fallen through into a crevasse up to his shoulders and his neck. But he's on a rope. And if he's not on that rope, he dies. But he's on this rope, so he lives. And the people in his guide, they pull him up and out. And he and I, I remember going back down to Camp Muir, and we had a lot to say about our families. My son was on the way. He hadn't been born yet, but I knew he was coming. And he had a lot to say about his girls, his wife, who he calls the bride. And we had a great, great talk. We had a great, great trip. And that trip, along with my ice axe and a picture of Dave, and Dave and I summited together, is, is on my wall. It's going to stay on my wall. People have asked me, how can you have that picture up there of the guy that fired you? Because you know what? That moment doesn't define me and it doesn't define him. He did what he thought he was right. And that doesn't define our relationship. That's why the other day I reached out to him. And I just said, hey, if there's anything I can do for you, reach out to me. And that's real. That's not manipulation. That's real. That's real. And there's freedom in that. 
when you aren't defined by that moment, when you're not defined by that divorce, when you're not defined by getting fired from a job, when you're not defined because you relapsed and you have an addiction issue, it's just about correcting your course today, right? So anyway, Dave, if you need my help, I'm here. And I'll always be here. And I'll always remember you as a man that summited Mount Rainier with me for our friend, Brad Perkins. And I wish you well. And I wish you love. And I wish you peace. And I wish your bride patience with you being home now all the time. Keep your head up, shoulders back. You do that too, Dave. We'll see you next time for episode 137. It's the Ron and Don Show only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, thanks for listening to the Ron and Don Show. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and find some black belt courage. Ah! I'm not kidding. <laughs> Oh